This is a hat trick podcast. Oh, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real, practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is The Real Sex Education. Each week, I'll be joined by a guest. We'll impart our own sex wisdom, ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. To bring this all together, though, we'll need an expert. A sexpert, if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, mum. Hello, Diggs. In this episode, we speak to comedian Catherine Bohart. Well, the more I think about it, I'm like, I've had no formal sex education. I need to go to a sex therapist. We discuss the first time you hear about sex. Oh my God, you and dad did that three times. Having awkward sex conversations. Please stop saying masturbation. Please stop looking me in the eye. And talking to other couples. Pretty much everyone's like, oh, we're never having sex, <laughs> which is great. It's very reassuring when it's like, oh, okay, sweet, 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 sweet. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Real Sex Education. I'm Diggory Waite and as ever, I'm joined by accredited sex and relationship therapist, Kate Campbell. Hello, Mum. Hello, Diggs. Every week, Mum and I give sex and relationships a good going over with a guest and this week is no different. We're very glad to be joined by Catherine Bohart. Yeah. <laughs> we have a great, great interview with Catherine coming up and uh, in which you'll hear very, very soon about Catherine's sort of sex positive mum. And it reminded me, you know, her sex positivity reminded me a lot of, uh, of you and, and your parenting. Well, it's funny you should say, <laughs> while she was talking, I was thinking about um, one day when your sister was little, we had Auntie Valerie to visit and we were in the car giving Auntie Valerie a lift to the station and your sister was sitting in the back of the car with a book she picked up off the bookshelf by Claire Rayner, I think it was, and she was sort of reading to herself, sort of blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden it was the, the car went quiet and you heard her say, and then the penis stiffens and erects. Oh, oh no. I know. Try oh, no. explaining that. And I, I was saying, it is a book for children. It is a book for children. And, and I remember Auntie Valerie going, oh, oh four-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. But what did you, did, what did, you, did you take the book off her or did you try and explain no, it? No, no, no. I was thinking, God, she's a brilliant reader. Yeah, to be fair. How old would she have been? No, she would have been five or six. Mm. So she wasn't asking you any questions then? she was just reading the book it mm. was a book for children but i think it was one that we didn't expect to be read no so well yet mm. yes and, also and, <laughs> and so well well you're a good, no. good parent in some ways <laughs> terrible parent in others mm. well though my sister didn't ask any questions at that point you can at the end of the show you can ask a sex therapist anything you like within reason of course anything you like just send in your questions via email to podcasts at hattrick.com that's hattrick with two t's or use the hashtag real sex edu on twitter we'll get to your questions at the end of the show but before that we spoke to Catherine bohart and i asked her if she was excited and ready to talk about her sex education 
Sure. Yeah, I'll certainly try. I'll try. <laughs> I've never, I haven't ever felt this old before on a, so quickly mm. in a podcast. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a long time ago. But yes, I am excited to talk about it. Excellent. Well, let's get straight into it then. Can you tell us a bit about your sex education? What you can remember a bit, you know, how, how, how it was? Yeah, I would say timeline. My mom talked to me about sex before school did because um, my mom worked in a children's hospital and her best friend was a child psychologist and the take at the time was if they're old enough to ask they're old enough to know so I got quite a lot of info from my mother at an early age I would argue I didn't need to have such a comprehensive answer but I got one <laughs> and then uh, what, what age was that if you don't mind me asking so I would have been seven wow and so you and because you were asking questions she was just answering them. Yeah, I I had just got I had a mom who talked about sex and who wanted us to be informed and wanted us to I mean she talked exclusively about heterosexual sex but she mm-hmm. like talked to us about protection. She is like the kind of mother who used to put condoms in the whole drawer. None of her children were having sex yeah. by the way, but she was just like just in case I'd rather you pay for <laughs> not to she was like, I'd rather you use a condom if you can't that I bought for you than us all having to pay for a baby. Yeah. Um, she was very monetarily driven by us not getting <laughs> yeah. pregnant. And um, and I grew up in a country where abortion wasn't legal, so obviously that wasn't discussed. Mm. And um, and gay marriage wasn't legal, mm. so there was no notion of that being talked about. And uh, yeah, so. Does that give you any indication of what my sex is? Loads of indication. I'm interested by, I mean, when you said about your mum leaving condoms out, it reminded me of Kate, my mum, when my brother, when, 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 when my brother was going to school once, he put his hand in his blazer pocket on the bus and took out like a load of condoms that you planted there. That's not true. That is a hundred percent true. <laughs> that never happened. That's a hundred percent true. No, it but wasn't this, me. No, because because you, it sounds like similar similar parenting styles. It's sort of like we just want this to be an open communication. This is exactly the same parenting style. Because if my mother listens to this, she'll go, "No, I didn't." Exactly. That never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. That never happened. The thing is, my mom, like, and again, she would totally contest all of this, but the condoms she would leave in the hall, mm-hmm. like, they were such dad condoms, you know what mm. I mean? Like, they were really, like, my brother and I would discuss this, like, in, in many ways, she did incentivize us to go and buy mm. condoms, mm. because we were like, I'm not using, like, thick as, like, they were, like, honestly, they were so, they were so, I can't describe how much they were, like, about avoiding pregnancy. They were, like, <laughs> the thickest... Yeah. oldest sturdiest <laughs> yeah. condoms you could ever get so uh, like where's the expiry yeah. date on this thing oh no it's just, yeah, just it's literally <laughs> been here since the dawn of time this thing no it's, it was worse than that it was like they were totally in date but half of them had been used by my dad i suppose what? like hang what? on hang on what Horrific. what are you talking about no no not in the packet but like the oh. packet would be open oh so, oh. no, it wasn't like half oh, my word. She wasn't, oh, God. No, she wasn't <laughs> like leaving them like a threat. Because I was about to be like, your your mum and her parenting styles, to me, sounds brilliant. No. And I was like, but your dad. <laughs> no, 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 no. My dad wasn't just flinging them in the same door. No, I just mean like if they were gone, I had to presume it was because he'd, oh, my God. Yeah, oh, well, this is, oh. but, but I'm, I'm very interested, though, because. That sounds that sounds great. We've we've spoken with a lot of people so far whose parents, you know, that sort of open dialogue hasn't been. I don't think it's been present. How 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 important was that for you? And I think it was. So my mom, like when I first started having sex with my first boyfriend, was very like keen to sit down and talk about the fact that like women of her generation often she felt didn't 
prioritize orgasm, didn't understand that sex was for their pleasure too. Necess like often thought of sex as something that was post-marriage so it wasn't necessarily exclusively yeah. about their own self-discovery my mom's big thing was Pam and her five sisters and getting to know your own body mm -hmm. and being able to make yourself happy before anybody else could make you mm -hmm. happy and I mean that was at the time horrendous mm -hmm. right I was 18 19 I was like please stop saying masturbation <laughs> please stop looking me in the eye yeah. I just want to go to my like I know I'll use a kind of I'm on the pill. Please leave me alone. Like, I don't want to talk about this. And um, yeah, she wanted to talk about sex for pleasure. And, you know, she'd reference the fact that her, she was in a sexual relationship. And I was like, no, I'm talking about it. Stop talking about it. Stop talking about it. And, you know, in many ways, treated us like grownups and did not deny her own sexual self. And like, but at the time, like, and now I'm like, that's good, I guess. Mm. But at the time it was like, please, Jesus, can you just stop? Yeah, yeah. You know? Kill me now. Yeah. Real sex, education, education. Sex. Real sex, education, education. <sighs> so what about your formal sex education? How was that? Basically, when we were 11, 12, we had sex education formally by a nurse in school. But there was a parent teacher, like, there was like a meeting beforehand where parents would go in an evening and be told what we were going to be told and then decide whether or not they were going to let their children stay in for that lesson. Wow. Yeah. So then quite like noticeably three girls <gasps> left class. Oh, wow. I know. So thrilling. And also one of their mothers, I remember quite ardently was against any of us being exposed to this and was like stopping mothers in the car park and fathers being like, have you heard what they're going to, we mustn't allow it. We should be banning it. Um, so that was all very thrilling. So I kind of, they had such a salacious buildup that I was just so intrigued. So it really gave it some momentum before the lesson. And can you remember exactly some of the stuff that was actually being taught? What, what incensed this woman so much? We definitely saw a video oh. of some childbirth. Oh, yeah. Um, there was a lot of discussion about periods. Mm. Uh, I'd already gotten mine at nine. So I was like, uh-huh, please, I know this. <laughs> yeah. And, but also that was harrowing at the time. But by the time I was 12, I was like, oh, jaded. Mm. Um, who hasn't tried this? And then <laughs> um, like handing out pads in class <laughs> yeah. being like, oh, have you not heard the good news? Um, and then <laughs> it's terrible news. There was a Q&A section, which I remember was the most thrilling part. So we wrote questions in and put them into a suggestion box. Oh. And most of them were like, do boys get periods? Mm -hmm. um, and like base. But some of them were definitely things people had heard in films. Mm. So they were just like, what's a rainbow kiss or something else hideous mm. and of its time? What is a rainbow kiss? At the, <laughs> in the 90s. At least in my school, it was a way of talking about uh, giving head to a woman when she was on her period. So how 12-year-olds knew what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the nurse was like, I don't know. And then just moved on, <laughs> which I think is totally wow. fair. Because I think probably in her mind, she was like, is this gay stuff? I don't want to talk about yeah. it. And um, But it was very scientific, mm. heterosexual, mm. and um, I think quite age-appropriate actually mm. apart from the q a obviously which is uh, yeah. dominated by troublemakers <laughs> indeed and then the next formal sex ed i had was in secondary school and um i went to secondary school in a convent there's like a connecting room which was the giant assembly hall between the convent where the nuns actually lived 
and where the chapel mm. was and between the school. And that's where we had sex ed, very much between the state and God where we perched <laughs> learning about sex. And it was, like, I remember secondary school was so basic. Mm. It was like, yeah, we know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. I remember, I remember not being like feeling particularly informed by anything in a new sense. I mean, the amount of my sex education, because I went to an all-girls mm. school, that was just periods, 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 pregnancy. Don't do it. Periods, yeah. periods, yeah. periods. Periods, 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 periods. Pregnancy! Periods, 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 periods. Don't do it! Stop it! So a big part of someone's sex education is discovering their own sexuality. Yeah. What did that look like for you? Well, I don't think I was a very sexual teenager. Like I wasn't like dying to kiss anyone mm. or, and nor did I kiss anyone till I got to university. Um, and I wasn't like desperately into boys, but I was definitely besotted with a couple of girls in school. And, uh, but I was also very aware that that was not reciprocated and that to say so in an all girls school would have simply been to create a torturous environment mm. in which to be. Also, I didn't know anyone gay and I, I wasn't entirely sure what that was for a long time. And I certainly wasn't going to say it in an all girls convent school. So there was no fear of me coming out there and also no. So I just didn't really feel very sexual, but I was like, I'm attracted to women. And then my mom started watching this show that she would record um, called The L Word. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> these are women having sex with women mm. so obviously I would watch that on except for the occasional time when it would be recorded over and it was Judge Judy or something much to my great disappointment no shade to Judy she's a queen yeah. but she wasn't having sex with other women so <laughs> that's the one thing about that show that's not good isn't it I know right yeah. it's like come on and now what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I guess they have to show something at 4pm yeah, anyway the L word was like a window into a universe that I did not know no, existed. And I, I just was like, my mind, my tiny mind was blown. Mm. Like, it wasn't just like someone was having sex with a woman. It was like a group of women and they were friends and people liked them and they had jobs and multiple relationships. And obviously it was made of a time and of its time and it was a problematic show in multiple ways not least because like it had less male gaze than I think a lot of things at the time but it was still like American television mm. incredibly hot women mm. <laughs> being incredibly hot yeah. like it was so like but it was but it did blow my mind I was mm. like I I it really it, it feels like such a significant seminal time in my life because I it was just like it's real it can happen it 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 can be a whole relationship I was dumbfounded mm. and then um so yeah I just I thought I was gay and then I got to university and I had never dated anybody and um then I had a boyfriend and uh was his I sort of said, I think I'm bi to him. And I was told, no, you're not. Um, oh. And then after that, I kissed a few more boys and I started to tell my friends that I was bi. And I was told, no, you're not. Um, and I think I was treated in one of two ways when I came out because I was very, very, very feminine. Mm. Mainly it was like, you're doing this for attention or like, don't be ridiculous. You can't be, you don't look 
Mm. like you are, whatever that means. You don't look like our idea of what a lesbian should be. Yeah, exactly. Did did, did that make you doubt yourself a little bit? Because it sounds like that's a a terrible environment to come out in. (laughs) It didn't make me doubt myself, weirdly. Mm. What it did do was make me feel very alone with it. So it was Mm. like... And and the thing is, this was 13 years ago in Ireland. So the stance was then like, this is a phase or you're gay and just won't admit it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so all of those things just meant that I, I just was like, well, it's me and my partner against the world or it's me against the world. So it made me quite, it feel quite, um, I guess, alone mm-hmm. with it. It's difficult even now, though, isn't it? If you're bisexual, people don't know you're bisexual. They assume you're the the sexuality that you're with at the time, whatever you are as a couple. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely the case. And I think even now there's a degree to which it's like, well, if you haven't been with a woman, then you're not Mm. like it's as if like a 15 year old boy couldn't know that he was straight, like, Mm. which is absurd. Or like, I think you can know that without having sex with anyone and that should be it should just be i am therefore i am the end i've said it therefore it is and i think not just people assume that you're the sexuality of the relationship you're in at the time but i think it's also hard when you're in a relationship with a man as a bi woman yeah because you're almost like slightly invisible and you want to be like i've been with guys and been on tubes and seen people staring at a lesbian couple and wanted to like stand in front of them and be like leave them Guys, yeah. um, which is probably absurd, but yeah, no, I can get it. It's like, I'm not with you, I see you staring, I'm not part of this, like, exactly, yeah, mm. yeah. I'm not complicit. Don't look at me and like make eyes, mm. I'm I don't like you, mm. yeah. Ah, that's mm. that's so interesting. It's it's really interesting. I never really thought about the invisibility thing for years and years and years, and then I started to ask clients how they identified sexually. And their gender. Just just ask, how do you identify? What's it like being you? And it was incredible. Immediately, there were so many people saying they were bisexual. It, it, it just, it was like an avalanche. And I'd never thought to ask people. And, and I was so ashamed of myself. I mean, luckily, this is going back a bit. But but now I, I, I do it much, much more. And it's really interesting what it opens up. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I wanted to speak about your podcast for a second. It would be ridiculous if we didn't. Oh, yeah. uh, your podcast with your partner, Sarah Keyworth, called You'll Do. It, well, I'm telling yes, you this, you is. know. Yeah. Um, and you guys interview couples about yeah their relationship 
well, not always couples. Joe Lysett came on his own, which is fine. He's a single <laughs> guy. He can come in on his own as well. There's a general theme to each episode with each couple. If you were going to be on your podcast, what do you reckon your theme would be? Whoa. I think we probably would discuss, maybe we would discuss sex because mm. um, we've been together five years almost and it's the most compatible relationship I've ever been mm. in, longest term relationship I've ever been in. But that's definitely like the place we are least compatible. Mm, interesting. Um, and I hope she wouldn't mind me saying that. But um, <laughs> She's not here, it's fine. Which isn't to say that we're incompatible, mm. but rather like we've both had, I'm on medication for OCD. And mm. that while that has made my life better, it has made sex less good mm. um in terms of like lacking a drive for it and right. maybe less enjoyment of it and so and also like it's my first ter- long-term relationship so it's trying to figure out how to have sex with somebody when you know how tired they are what they have to get up to, to do in the morning uh when you're like also their like best friend and business partner and <laughs> all those things so it's kind of I think maybe we would talk about that. This is mm. what um, is, is the most sort of common presentation when people arrive for sex therapy. They're saying we're not having we're not having enough sex. It's not really even the quality of the sex or or anything. It's mm. just this feeling that that you ought to be doing it and it ought to be probably better than it is, and that frequency <laughs> is a real issue. And it, it yeah. there's, there are so many oughts and shoulds about it rather than looking for intimacy and wanting to have just a nice time together and to feel close and to enjoy themselves and things like being tired and busy and having small children or whatever it happens to be just aren't considered it's Mm. people just blame themselves for not being more sexual and I'm sure I mean it's just one of those things it's so true even hearing that it's like oh that's reassuring but it's true (laughs) it is like you're measuring yourself against an external yardstick that you have kind of created by surmising from the vibe of other people's holiday photos that they're having more sex than you are Mm. and it's like that's absurd that's ridiculous what's really surprising is how many people turn up saying they need sex therapy and you ask them when they have sex and they say oh it's great when we're on holiday and you think well yeah (laughs) doesn't that tell you something I mean that just the pressures of life are are very real I mean I know we say it but I don't think we ever mean it that sex isn't the be all and end all Mm. like I mean, God, I feel really, I'm like, God, you're in your 30s. But <laughs> there really is other value you can get from a relationship. Yeah. But there is. And there's other intimacy that counts too. Um, but there is. And, uh, but we, but that's not sold and packaged with every eye cream, hair mask or chocolate bar you buy. So it's hard to remember that it also has value. It just constantly feeds into that problem of, well, I'm not doing enough. We're not where we should be, blah, blah, blah. And it mm-hmm. has such a detrimental effect but i think your podcast does a great job of being like pulls back the curtain and goes no look we're always shit as each other <laughs> you know thank you yeah pretty much everyone's like oh we're never having sex <laughs> which is great it's very reassuring when it's like oh, okay sweet 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 sweet, sweet. exactly cool, cool, cool. definitely reassuring for me as well as a single guy that not everyone's having sex behind my back <laughs> <laughs> so Catherine, it's the time of the show that we like to ask how is it for you what are you taking away? Have you learned something? 
Have you learned anything? <laughs> I've learned loads. I, it was as ever. It's funny because we have this like brand of like, and I, I mean, all my comedy is about a lot of it's about sex or like queer panic and queer sex and queer experience. And I like it's quite like a high status position that I take on stage. And my podcast is about relationships, but I'm still like talking about this makes me feel really vulnerable, <laughs> um, and also makes me feel like have I said too much? Have I committed to a position that I might not hold in a year? Um, but it also, I've learned loads. I've learned loads. I am. Um, it's nice to kind of be like, I think you have to just keep reminding yourself that sex is not like a stagnant thing and that it can change and you can change and you can learn about it. So this is good. Yeah. And I think there's this idea that sex education and just you at sex sort of stops after you've had a bit of sex, after you got to a certain age, you know what you should be doing, especially when you got to a certain point with your partner. But that's not true. You can be educating yourself about how to have sex and your sex education until forever forever because your yeah. your your life changes and your yeah. body changes and your partner's body changes yeah. and your and your expectations and what you want changes and some people go through fallow periods you know when there's no sex at all and rampant periods when there's when there's sex all the time and it that's normal all of that is normal and i think you're it's right it's just, like learning yeah because it's, it's kind of like learning how to have because i'm 31 it's like I don't, i've never learned how to have sex five years into a relationship as a 31 year old mm. like so exactly. it's still it, it's exciting to learn well that that's good. that's good because you know if you're not coming away from this and talking about sex like you say and you feel you know maybe a bit anxious and stuff and you're actually yeah. coming away from it going i'm excited i mean suddenly yeah i'm excited well Catherine, thank you so so much it's been brilliant thanks guys oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome back anytime. Good, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's the mailbag. Send Katie queries to podcast at hatch.com. It's the mailbag. Send Katie queries podcast at hatch.com. Hello there. I have a query for Kate. I would like to know when the real sex education mailbag starts. The real sex education mailbag starts right now. Thank you. So now is the time in the show where we take a look into our mailbox. It's your chance to have your questions answered by an accredited sex and relationship therapist. If you have any queries for Kate, you can send them in via email to podcasts at hatchet.com. That's hatchet with two T's. And don't worry, we'll keep your anonymity unless you say otherwise. So let's take a look. The first one is from Kentucky Kid, who's, <laughs> <laughs> who has just one question. Um, I saw Kate on YouTube talking about why sex is so important. And I want to figure out if it's dangerous not to have. Basically, is it dangerous for your body not to have sex? Um, no. Um, there are lots Good. Of, That's very good to hear. There are, <laughs> there are lots of positives about um, having sex and lots of, lots of reasons why it's good for your body, which is, again, for another day. But people often worry that their testicles will explode or something like that if they don't have enough sex. And actually, nothing. I've never, weirdly, I've never ever known that to happen to you anyone. You haven't come across anyone coming I in. I have not like, come across that one. My balls uh, have dropped off. <laughs> I've exploded overnight. It doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and there's no reason not to be having um, partnered sex. Partnered sex is really, really good for people because they, because obviously they're in a relationship or, or they're having, you know, even if it's only for those few moments, they're having a relationship, got loads of lovely endorphins and things floating around. Um, mm. Really good for the body and loads of other things that are good for the body but if you don't if you only masturbate then that's okay too and if you don't even do that that's still okay you you won't you won't die would you recommend though 
especially because I've heard this about blokes, you should keep the keep the pipes clean if you know what I mean. It's very good for the prostate, yeah. Uh, exactly. What about for ladies though? Should they be? Um, is there is there any? Is it maybe? Obviously, there, there's going to be some things you know, like endorphins release, etc. Yeah, but... lots of endorphins release. It's good. It's good for well being in general, and it's mm. and it's really good for period pains. Oh, really? Mm. In well, in theory, it is. Yeah. Right. Well, something definitely to check out when you get home, listener. Right. The next question is from anonymous, and anonymous says, "Hi." Full stop. My sperm seeps out rather than spurts out when I ejaculate. I have done this for years, but my partner thinks it's odd. Who is right? Um, oh, I'm interested that you've done it for years. Um, if it sort of came on rather than... Mm. So something might have happened to change things if it started happening rather than happening all your life. Mm. Um, it usually... Seeping is usually associated with an interesting masturbatory technique, like, for instance, clutching your penis really, really tight um, to try and stop ejaculating. And this is usually what happens when people are trying to hide the fact that they're masturbating. So it's quite common in boarding schools and things like that, where people squeeze their penis. And then what ends up happening is that the penis gets used to it and it does seep. And what you need to know is that ejaculation and orgasm are not the same thing. They usually happen at the same time, but they're not the same thing. So you can actually orgasm and only produce a small kind of little bit of, of ejaculate. Sometimes you find that people have an orgasm in a sex session. If you were like spending the weekend with with a friend and you were going to have sex six times, the first time it seeps and then after that it's, it's, it goes more squirty. Wow, I would have thought it went squirty first. No, it usually goes seepy first. That's what I've been told. <laughs> right. I don't have direct experience. I've just realised I just said, I thought it went squirty first. <laughs> Mum, I thought it went squirty first. Yes, we, we shouldn't know. We shouldn't, we shouldn't, I mean, this is serious. You shouldn't laugh. You're right, it's, I'm, so, it's I'm sorry. It's serious for people. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I feel like your answer was comprehensive. And 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 as you, as as the as anonymous said, it didn't didn't seem like it was an issue. It's been happening for years. They didn't see it was an issue. It's only now their partners thinks it's odd that. Well, that that's the problem, isn't it? It's going to be the the partner who's criticising or feeling it's it's strange. This is what always happens with people. They they're absolutely perfectly happy with their body or whatever, and somebody says something, makes some comment, and then they suddenly become really self conscious about mm. it. But it's not actually an issue. Well, email us in if that happens to you, and we will set the record straight. Thank you so much for all your submissions. Thank you so much to Catherine Bohart for joining us. An absolutely fantastic guest. Thank you, obviously, to my wonderful mum. Thank you, mum. Oh, cheers, Dick. Thank you. And we'll see you next time for some more real sex education. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Real Sex Education, which is hosted by Diggory Waite and Kate Campbell. The show is produced by Andy Goddard and Diggory Waite. The Real Sex Education is a Hattrick podcast. If you'd like to hear more podcasts by Hattrick, including Time Ghost with Alexander Armstrong and Ben Miller, just search Hattrick Podcasts on your podcast provider of choice. This podcast is based on the real-life relationship between the host Degree Waite and his mother, accredited sex therapist Kate Campbell. The show is therefore inspired by but otherwise unrelated to the TV show Sex Education. But yes, Degree does wish his co-host was Gillian Anderson. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 